Some call them the Los Angeles Angels. Some who maybe haven't paid attention to baseball in 30 plus years call them the California Angels. Some, including their PA announcer, just call them the Angels without a prefix. I personally call them the Anaheim Angels. There are a few things that are certain about them. One, they are one of the most dysfunctional organizations in all of sports. And two, their hotshot prospect Joe Adele was worth negative 1.3 wins above replacement in just 38 games. But what else happened with the Angels? Why is Mike Trout once again not in the postseason? Why didn't the signing of Anthony Rendon put them over the edge? Tune in and find out! Ethan's up all night. And covering all his bases. From South San Francisco, California, this is Nocturnal Sports with Ethan Castle. Next up, the Anaheim, and I'm going to remind you that I still call them Anaheim because they're not in Los Angeles. They're not Los Angeles of Anaheim. The Anaheim Angels at 26 and 34, and that was an inflated 26 and 34 with their final week. Um, on the good side, unlike most of their big signings, Anthony Rendon looks like he's worth it. Uh, Max Stassi absolutely crushed the ball. Dylan Bundy and Andrew Heaney, I don't know how sustainable it is, but it seemed like they met any and all expectations. What do you have to say about them, especially Bundy and Heaney? I feel like you could really do a deep dive on those two and figure out whether those guys are really legit or how much of this was an illusion. Well, as outfielder Mike Trout, I mean, he puts up pretty good numbers. Uh, You know, it's really a shame that he doesn't play for a better team. Uh, (laughs) Really a shame that he willingly signed an extension to stay with this team in particular? I mean, hey, I'd rather live in Southern California than Philadelphia, too. Look at the weather, but... But uh, he thinks weather's interesting and would probably enjoy studying storms, you know? You've got a point there. So, obviously, Mike Trout is still Mike Trout. He's amazing. Uh, Jared Walsh is a guy that came along really nicely down the stretch for them. I owe my fantasy championship in part to him as well. Tommy LaStella, great season, and they turned him into Franklin Barreto. Who then got hurt. Right. Franklin Barreto also, like, bunted and the ball went and hit him. And he swung and missed on a pitch that would have been, like, behind a lefty. And I root for Franklin. But yikes. He's turned into yikes status. Basically, the Angels still have a legitimate offense. Uh, Mike Mayer's uh, had an amazing season for them. Yeah, him and Felix Pena look like the only relievers that might actually amount to something. There were a couple moments where Jacob Barnes looked good, but they were brief. The rest of the bullpen, bad. Cam Bedrosian, 2-4-5 year. But he hardly pitched. He, well, I yeah, think, was injured. 14 innings, so yeah. not exactly um, him, so. Ty Buttry, for some reason, they, I guess they don't want him throwing his very good fastball, and he's just going off speed, even on a full count with the bases loaded and hoping that someone chases it, which didn't happen in one particular game against the A's where he ended up giving up a bases loaded walk. Hansel Robles, so I knew he was going to regress. I knew the walks were going to come back, but even I didn't expect an ERA in the double digits. Uh, Anderson Simmons was terrible. And then with a week left, just said, fuck it. I'm out. Justin Upton, in addition to wearing the same Jersey number really does look like the second coming of Vernon Wells. Griffin Canning struggled. And even with their third manager in three years, their games still take forever, which happens when you have good hitting and no pitching. And I, I, I would also like to point out that they gave, uh, or they, I'm sorry, they let Julio Tehran pitch 31 innings for them who provided them with an ERA of 10.05 and a war 
wins above replacement of nearly negative one in less than two months, basically. That's amazing. Um, just, you know, put that out to a full season, and that's just awful. And you know who would have helped them? You know, maybe you don't have a great rotation. Maybe it would be nice to have, like, a swingman bridge guy. I don't know, someone like uh, Yuzmero Petit. Oops. Kind of missed him the last three years. Kind of hurt them. This is a franchise that makes it too easy to pick on. All right, five guys who played for the 2020 Angels, and we start off with one of my favorite names in all of baseball, and that's Anthony Bemboom. So first off, Anthony Bemboom was drafted by the Angels, career minor leaguer, then got taken by the Rockies in the minor league segment of the Rule 5 draft, played a couple years with AAA Albuquerque, then played in three games with the Rays in 2019, 22 with the Angels last year, this year, he hit 208 with three homers, getting some chances to play after Jason Castro got traded. He ended up walking in 11.7% of his 60 plate appearances, so that's something to build off of. But ultimately, it's not like what the Angels really do is going to hinge all that much on Anthony Bemboom. You know, he and Jose Braseno got time because other guys got shipped out. Jason Castro trade opened up room for Bam Boom, and then Max Stassi getting hurt opened up some plate appearances for Bersenio. But with his power numbers, he was an above-average hitter, 108 weighted runs created plus, where again, average is 100, so 8% above average, and when you're a backup catcher, that's awfully good. Would it keep up from you know just those 60 plate appearances over the course of an entire season? I wouldn't expect it just considering his past history, but crazier things have certainly happened. Next up, Luke Bard. Now, Luke Bard, I just learned, is the brother of Daniel Bard. He was a first-round pick in one of the, like, uh, sandwich pick rounds, compensation rounds, stuff like that. So 42nd overall by the Twins in 2017 out of Georgia Tech. He was taken in the Rule 5 draft in 2017, or at least like December of 2016 by the Angels, made his debut in Oakland, and then he got returned to the Twins, didn't pop back up, and then signed a minor league deal with the Angels in 2019. So like Bem Boom, he is on his second stint with the Angels. He pitched in six games, which covered five and a third innings and allowed four runs. Really not much else to give you there, but... Daniel Bard has a younger brother who is in the bigs and is on his second tour with the Angels. And because we get to play with small sample sizes, freakishly low ground ball rate, only 18.8%. Next up, Hobie Milner. You know, just like Artie Lewicki, this is a name that would have been fitting in baseball, you know, 60 years ago. So I love this. When Milner came up, in 2017 with the Phillies, he posted just a 201 ERA over 31 and a third innings. In fact, the Phillies weren't the only team that liked him. The Indians were interested in him, took him in the Rule 5 draft in 2017, but didn't like what they saw, returned him, and then he ended up actually pitching pretty well for the Phillies. But that did not last in 2018. The lefty with the funky delivery struggled over the next two years, pitching 18 games for the Phillies, and then the Rays. This year, he came to the Angels, 
came in as a lefty specialist on opening night, facing Matt Olson with the bases loaded in extra innings and through a first-pitch cement mixer that got hit for a grand slam. In all, he made 19 appearances, which only covered 13 and a third innings, which is really tough to do with the three-batter rule unless you're coming in, you know, with two outs in an inning and your job is to get one out, or maybe you just really suck. He gave up five homers over 13 and a third innings, finished with an ERA of 8-10. Next up is lefty starter Dylan Peters. Now, when I talked about Mike Kickham, I said, you know, you ask mom, can we have Josh Hader? And mom says, we have Josh Hader at home. But then it turns out that Josh Hader at home is just Mike Kickham. Well, same thing here, except asking for A.J. Puck. And instead, you have A.J. Puck at home. After 2018, Peters got traded from the Marlins for a minor leaguer named Tyler Stevens. On September 5th, he was the spot starter for a doubleheader against the Astros. I believe this was the game where... Um, Victor Rojas thought that Anthony Rendon had hit a walk-off homer, but then realized it was the top of the seventh because I guess, you know, when home teams had games in other teams' ballparks this year, nobody thought it would be a good idea to just bring along your home jerseys. So that faked out people multiple times, and you had all these awkward moments. But that the Angels won that game is especially remarkable because Peters sucked. He gave up four runs, three earned in an inning and a third against the Astros, and then promptly got sent down. So his advanced numbers are just incredible when you look at some of the metrics that can apply to one poor appearance, such as a negative 500% strand rate for runners left on base. I don't even know how you create a number like that. He did have a strikeout per nine, it was pretty nice, 10.8, because he struck out two guys in his inning in two-thirds, but he also gave up two homers, so that also puts his homer per nine at 10.8. And when a guy pitches in only one game, you get a lot of numbers like that. And there's a reason Dylan Peters only pitched in one game. Last up for the Angels' five guys is Elliot Soto. Now, Elliot Soto was in the Cubs system from 2010 to 2015. He got traded to the Marlins in 2015, along with another prospect named Ivan Pinero, for the Cubs to receive Dan Heron to bolster their rotation. He stuck in the Marlins system for a couple years, then spent 2018 and 2019 in the Rockies system. After a decade of minor league ball, he got the call on September 25th and played in the final three games against the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. He debuted as a pinch runner, went two for six with a walk, and scored two runs. He finally got to the bigs at age 31. Very nice. Congratulations to Elliot Soto. It's unfortunate that this happened in completely empty stadiums in games that didn't have much bearing on any team situation. After the first game, the Angels were done, so he pinch ran for a team that technically had the world's slimmest playoff hopes. But nonetheless, you know, the perseverance, the journey, the lifelong goal, that's pretty awesome. So congrats to Elliot Soto just on getting there. Um, Billy Epler has been fired. It's rumored that they're going to pursue Dave Dombrowski as their next GM, and I feel like it's just going to be more of the same shit, except maybe he'll also throw money at a big top-line starter. But Dave Dombrowski is all about trade away all the prospects, spend, 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 
And fuck building a bullpen, except for the one time he traded for Craig Kimbrell. And even then, the 2018 Red Sox were relying on Ryan Brazier in their pen. So, Well, I mean, you look at the Angels, it starts from the top. Artie Moreno runs everything there. It's an inverted power structure. That's all it is. And the owner's only responsibility with on-field production and operations should be telling the GM, hey, here's your budget. That should be it. The owner should not play any factor in actual on-field work, and the results are telling. It's nothing new, and it's not going to change for a very long time. This has been Nocturnal Sports with Ethan Castle. Now, Ethan's off to edit this episode. Well, that was true at the time it was recorded. If you're listening to it now, all of the post-production work is obviously complete. He's probably busy organizing his collection of colonial-era scrimshaw or playing backyard baseball at twitch.tv slash Ethan R. Castle. Or sleeping. Most likely sleeping.